0: to see everybody here this morning. We have uh, uh, several faces whom I've not met before, and so I hope that I get to meet you before you leave today. It's, uh, it was a good night last night uh, for all those who were able to go over to uh, the car's house, and we, we all enjoyed ourselves. You know, we had uh, the, the historic hayride, you know, that was really good, uh, you know, and, and I don't know, there is a... Special place for people in my heart that hit the preacher in the face with a branch. And I will not name any names, Hillary Pemberton, um, but uh, I expect full repentance. I told you I would, yeah. Well, it's good to, good to be here with brethren. Uh, you did miss out if you didn't get to go last night, but I'm sure that we'll have other fellowship opportunities. And I encourage you to take hold of every opportunity that you can because, you know, we can be in this world for our whole lives, but we're going to spend eternity with our brethren. And so uh, get to know them well, spend lots of good time with, with them. And you know what? You'll be encouraged. And that is uh, that's one of the main things that you get from fellowship is you get encouragement. And so that, that is what you missed out on. Yeah, if, if you would open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll look at verses 10 through 17 here briefly. It says, Finally, be strong in, in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, withal taking up the shield of faith, Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which, which is the word of God. And so all these things, we talk about the armor of God. All these things are given to us that we may be able to withstand the devil. Now, throughout, uh, throughout my short time on this earth, I found that when you talk about the devil... There are people who just absolutely deny his existence. But you cannot get around his existence from Scripture. There are even those within the church that I have heard that they just do not believe in the devil. Think of it more as an idea than an actual entity. But I would like to present some ideas this morning. Of this. You know, there are several names for the devil. First, we have the word Satan. And Satan means adversary. he is our adversary. Now you see the word devil it means slanderer or accuser. In Revelation 12 and verse 9 he is called the deceiver of this world and a murderer. In Matthew 13 and verse 28 he is simply called the enemy. In John 8 and 44 again he is a murderer. And a liar. Revelation twelve nine the old serpent. In Ephesians two and verse two the prince of the power of the air. In Second Corinthians four and verse four, is called the god of this world. And in Second Corinthians twelve he is the tormentor of God's people, and the originator. Of Of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Satan is real. Satan is definitely real. Now, he is our adversary. He is our opponent. Now, uh, one of the things, I've told you before, I I enjoy football. I never played football. Uh, Believe it or not, I was a little too small growing up. And so I, I, I could not play. But there's one thing that I know happens with, with a sport like football and, and many other sports at that, is that at a certain point in the week, the coaches and the players, they sit down and they watch film. They watch film of their own playing. They watch their practices. They watch their games. And then the coaches sit down and they watch film of other teams that they're about to play. They do this. Why? To prepare themselves. So we need to be able to prepare ourselves also. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 it says. Lest Satan should get an advantage over us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We should be ignorant of his devices. Of the things that he would do in order to get us to fail. In James 4 and verse 7 it says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, it describes the devil as as a lion that is walking about and roaring. Brethren, the devil is real. The devil is, in fact, our adversary. And we need to know how to stand up to him. We need to put on the whole armor of God. We know that Satan is allowed to focus his attention on people as he did uh, with Peter. And in Luke 22 and verse 31, Jesus said, said Satan has desired you. And I said that to Peter. Satan has desired you. He wants you. Think about that, brethren. Satan wants us individually. He can focus his attention on any one of us. And so we need simply... To be prepared. And so what, what we think about is this. You know in, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Uh, it talks about the people of those days. And the day of Noah. And it says that the imaginations of their hearts. Were only evil continually. And we know that we have imaginations. And we can think about things. And so I want us to use our imaginations this morning. I want to think about this idea. And I want to approach this topic as if I were the devil. If I were the devil, number one, I would devalue marriage. Think about this. The governing bodies, (laughs) media, you know, I, I would want them. But you know what I'd really want? I'd want families. Because families make up all these things you know i I want the people I want families I would offer husbands and and wives lucrative positions and you know these people that that you know like we see in the scriptures in Genesis that you have the sons of God working with the daughters of men and and what that simply means is that you have righteous people and unrighteous people together and and so they're together and they're working together and you know i would i would I'd want there to be a lot of influence from peers. Be peer pressure at work, at the office, at school, whatever I could. I would make money a major friction point in marriage. You know, I I, I remember someone telling me, and, and this is really the case for most people, I would think. Uh, but this one guy, he said, you know, have you ever have you ever had an argument, uh, you know, with with your significant other? And, and at the time, we're you know we're talking about about autumn, and I said, no, no, not really. And He said, you will. And I was like, well, I figure probably would at some point. And he said, and it's probably going to be about money. And you know how true that was. <laughs> you know it was. It was very true. Most marriages, the first argument ends up being money. So I would want that to be a major friction point in a marriage. I would want spouses to not trust each other when it comes to finances. You know what? Whenever that happens, guess what happens? Other things happen. You know, you've got this, this spiral, this downward spiral of things. And, and the, the first, there's the lack of trust when it comes to money. And then there's a lack of trust in general. And so you have this lack of trust. And then that lack of trust leads to a lack of, well, intimacy. A lack of sexual fulfillment, which then in turn could drive away the spouse to go and to commit adultery. And you know what? I would, If I were the devil, I would want to make marriage look like it was something that's very old-fashioned. You know, we don't really need to do that these days. Don't do that today. Don't get married. Just live your life out. Just... Just, you know what, don't don't even settle down on one person. Just play the field if you wish. Go and spend as much time with whoever you want, whenever you want, and don't worry about a thing. You know, if I were the devil, I wouldn't want people to know about such passages as Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's not someone else's husband. That's who. That's... Your own husbands, Ephesians five verse twenty five, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. You know, I've seen a lot of this. You you look at families, and I've I've seen women in the church, and they'll say, "So well, you know what? That's just that's something that God doesn't really care about anymore. They don't." (laughs) You know, that was something that was, really, it was cultural. That's what it was. It was cultural at the time. And so, you know, we don't need to do that anymore. You know, we don't need to submit ourselves to our own husbands. That's not... And gently, you have to say, well, look, uh, you are commanded to love your husband and to submit yourself to him. Your husband, on the other hand... He should be willing to die for you. It seems like a very small thing in the long run. But I, I'm supposed to be the devil, so I'll get back to that. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. I wouldn't want people to know this. Marriage is honorable among all. In the bed undefiled. I don't, want, I don't want that. What about Matthew 19:9? 9? And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife except for fornication shall marry another, committeth adultery. And he that marrieth her when she is put away, committeth adultery. You know, if I were the devil, I would definitely want to devalue marriage. But you know what? I'd I'd want to further that. Not only would I want to devalue marriage, but I would want to drive wedges between parents and their children. You think about this. This is a concept throughout Scripture, right? You think about uh, 2 Samuel chapter eighteen and verse twenty-nine, and we're talking about David and Absalom, and and Absalom has just revolted against his dad. You know, just led these people in a war against his own father. And you know what David says? This is a very famous passage. He says, "Is the young man Absalom safe?" Is he safe? Well, unfortunately for him, Absalom was not safe. Matter of fact, he had been pierced with arrows. And at that very moment was in a pit with rocks on top of him. You know, you think, is he he safe? I found that when it comes to us as people... You know, there tend to, tends to be patterns in our lives. And, and so whenever something goes wrong in our lives, sometimes we, we want to blame it on something else. You know, well, you know, if it wasn't for this, then this wouldn't have happened. And, you know, and, and really, you, you go back and think, oh, I had a little bit of a hand in that. You, know, you, you think about something very simple. And you say, you know, I, uh, my car broke down. I didn't have enough money to fix it. You know, and if it it weren't for that person who did this, then, man, you know, everything would be fine. No, 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 no. If you'd put away money to fix that car, everything would be just fine. Or if you'd taken that car into the shop when it needed to be taken in, everything would be just fine. We do have a hand in these things, and you think about the pattern that David set out for his family. David had eight different wives. He had a wife named Maacah and she bore Absalom and Tamar. Now Amnon, which was another one of David's sons, fell in love or actually fell in lust with Tamar. And he decided that he wanted to want to have her and So, well, he eventually forced himself upon her. And so, uh, of course, this upsets the family. And Absalom is is very, very angry with his brother Amnon. So he plots. And for two years, he waits. And he gets his chance. And after two years, he kills Amnon. And so Absalom goes then. he, He runs off to Gesher. That's where his mom's family was from and he goes to stay there and so then David brings him back but see David is really upset with him and so he can't he can't bring it upon himself to actually go and see him so he brings him back to the palace but will not see Absalom refuses to see him and so Absalom wants to see his father wants to have you know some a conversation with him and so and what he does is he goes and he burns Joab's field now have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, have you ever seen a child act out negatively for attention? Oh, yeah. So what does Absalom do? He seeks that negative attention. He he does, he does just wants attention. He wasn't getting it before, and so what does he do? He, he acts out negatively so he can get it. And so he does. He gets this attention. But see, Joab then... Takes Absalom and David and, and Absalom goes and you know he's he's instead of making things right with his father, you know what he does? He goes and he sits at the gate. And he's sitting at the gate and he's he's going, you know, hey, you know what are your problems? Hey, don't take them to the king. Don't take them to David. He doesn't really know what he's doing. You come and you see me. So he's usurping his father's authority, right? And so he is—he is taking it upon himself to judge the people, and so he undermines his father's work. And then, then of course, later on, he says that you know he's going to go and he's going to pay vows to God at Hebron, and yet he goes to raise a coup. He makes an army, and he's going to overthrow his father. And so there is a war. And twenty thousand men die. Twenty thousand men die. Some of David's men killed Absalom, and and even though David had asked them to be gentle with him, to keep him alive, they knew better than that. And so Joab made sure that he was dead. And then, of course, you, you, you think about you think about all this, and you think, "Wow, there's just a." A really strange turn of events throughout this. I mean, it just starts escalating, right? Now, if you do the math, something really interesting pops out here. Do you know what? David's sin with Bathsheba, do you realize when that occurred? During Absalom's life, it would have been about the time that he was a teenager. A teenager, a, a very malleable uh, point in your life, and the things that he saw from his father shaped who he was going to be. And what very important lesson did he find from his father? If you want something bad enough, just go ahead and take it. And so it did. Oh, you know, well, all that wasn't David's fault. Give me a break. David had a lot of fault in it. That's one of the great things about the Bible. You look at the Bible and it's not just always about the people and the best things that they did in their life. It shows you the full circle. It shows you who they were. And you see that David then becomes what? He becomes a man after God's own heart. He did that even though... He had done so many horrible things. He was able to repent of those things, and later on to be called a man after God's own heart. You know, when I think about this topic. Yeah, you know, I would want if I were the devil, I'd want to drive wedges between parents and their children. I, I'd do it in, in all sorts of ways. I would. I would make dads think. That all of their purpose was to work and make money for the family. That that was their lot in life. That that is all they had to do. They, don't worry about coming home and helping the wife or the children. Don't worry about coming home and being a good example. Don't worry about those things. What you can do is you, hey, just go home, prop your feet up, Open up that newspaper, turn on that TV, whatever, and your responsibilities are done. Because when you work that's you know that's all you've got to do, right? If I were the devil, I'd make sure dads thought that very thing. If I were the devil, I'd make women think that you know other people could raise your children. Just as well, maybe even better than you could. I would want mothers to just pass off their children and and, and let the grandparents rear them. Or to just pass them off on, on people all the time just so that well, that so you can live your life, right? Because really, you know what? You're the most important thing. If I were the devil, I'd make sure to drive those wedges. I'd drive them deep. If I were the devil, I would want you to think, you know what, there are no absolutes. There are no absolutes in this life. I mean, you think about subjectivism, that, you know, everything is based on my feelings. So right right and wrong, based on how I feel about something. You think about it's uh, closely related cousin here of mass tolerance. You know, just It doesn't matter what you believe. You believe what you believe. I'll believe what I believe. We're all, we're all going to the same place, right? Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, see, we're all going to heaven. We're just We're just going different ways. You know, when you think about these ideas, it says two things about the Bible. One of two things. Either, number one, the Bible simply isn't true. Or two, it doesn't matter. Think about that. Uh, Everything's subjective, right? Don't, Don't, you know, you can read that passage. And it might explicitly say something. Yeah. But what do you feel about that? Do you think you have to do that? You know, it's just whatever you want to do. Does does the Bible really matter all that much? (laughs) If I were the devil, I'd want you to think that. If I were the devil, I wouldn't want you to know these passages of John 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Or Hebrews 13 and verse 8, that Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Or 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. I want you to know those things. What about John 17 17, that you can be sanctified by the truth and that the word of God is truth. Don't think about that. There are no absolutes, right? No absolutes. If I were the devil I would want to separate the sacred from the secular. Now what do I mean by that? Oh, let's 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 make sure we got some things straight here. Okay, hey. If I were the devil I would want you to think that righteousness is reserved for Sunday mornings. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you know, just when you're when you're worshiping that's when you should be righteous. Everything else yeah, since, not so much. But when you come to worship, I want you to be righteous. Yeah, you know, I think about this. You think about Bible camping. Oh, man, growing up, going to Bible camp. Eh, just a great week, right? Great week. And and you're spending time with in the Bible and you start feeling so good. You're feeling good about the things that you're doing. And then, you know, a few weeks later, you then go to school and, and then you find out, you know, what what really you're made of, right? And so, you know, I think about those teenagers and, yeah, go to Bible camp. Go to those devotionals. Go to all those religious activities that, that you can. And, that, you know, when you're there, I'd want you to sing your heart out. I would want you to be really religious. But then when you leave... I would want you to forget all those things. Don't worry about it. You save your religious hat for when you're around religious people. You live how you want otherwise. Uh, Let's separate the sacred from the secular. How about about this? I can tell you how many times I've heard someone say, You know what? You just can't preach politics from the pulpit. You just can't do it can't do it. It's, you know, just don't do it. Father the devil, ah man, I'd love that. Yeah, let's not do it. Now, now I will say this. I don't think anybody and so that's actually, this is illegal to get up and, and tell everybody who to vote for. But when it comes to biblical principles, those should never be left by the wayside. We need to look at look at these things. you know what? If I were the devil, man, just forget about politics. Right, let's let's not talk about these things. You know, homosexuality. Right, let's just forget about it. Don't worry about that. That's for when you get to play church. You get upset about that later. When it comes to politics, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to have values when it comes to politics. You don't have to vote as a as a Christian. You you can vote as you. If I were the devil, and I'd love that. Leave your values at the door. Let's separate the sacred from the secular. Basically, let's be Christians here. But as soon as we leave this place, let's be something different. But you know what, brethren? fact is, I am not the devil. I'm thankful for that. But if I were him, you know what I'd do? Just about everything he's already doing now. And you know what it is that he can get you with. And it may be that thing that you're thinking about right now. Do not, do not let him have the upper hand. Do not let the devil win. But live a righteous life. And you can do that by knowing your opponent. Maybe there's someone here today that has not yet become a Christian. You'd like to do that today. We'll be glad to help you out with that. Uh, What that means is that you must hear the word of God, which we've done today. And yet must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John three sixteen. And we hear and we must believe. And then we, we need to repent, Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So hear, believe, repent. We, we must confess, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. This is something we do every day. We confess Christ before men. Something we see in Acts chapter 8 that the Ethiopian eunuch did at the point of baptism. So hear, believe, repent, confess, and then... Be baptized into Christ, First Peter three verse twenty one. I Like to figure one two, even baptism doth also now save us, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. And last but not least, once you've done those things, you have to live faithfully, because if you don't live faithfully, none of those things matter. So live faithfully, Revelation two and verse ten. Be thou faithful unto death and thou shalt receive a crown of life. If there's anybody here that needs to respond to the invitation, please do not hesitate, but come as we stand and as we sing.
1: Have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Is yes. thine heart right with God? Dost thou count all things for Jesus by loss? Is thine heart right with God? Is thine heart right with God? In the crimson flood Cleansed and made holy Humble and lowly right in the sight of God Hast thou dominion or self and or sin Is thine heart right with God Over all evil without and within Is thine heart right with God Is thine heart right with God? Washed in the crimson blood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. Are all thy powers under Jesus' control? Is thine heart right with God? Does each moment abide in thy soul? Is thine all right with God? Is thine all right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sun. Closing song will be number 434. Number 434. More holiness give me. More holiness give me. More strivings within. More patience in suffering. More sorrow for sin. More faith in my Savior, more sense of His care, more joy in His service, more purpose in prayer, more gratitude give me, more trust in the Lord. More pride in His glory. More hope in His word. More tears for His sorrows. More pain at His grief. More meekness in trial. More praise for His. strength to overcome, more freedom from earth stains, more longings for home, more fit for the King.
2: This time, let's have our closing prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we come to you today to worship and study your word and hopefully provide a service that is fitting in your sight. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the freedom to worship you in this country, a country founded on Christian values. We would pray that our leaders would return to those founding fathers and their. Plans for this country. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for those that would lead our service and lead our house of worship here the elders, the deacons, the preacher, and all the others that would support them. Heavenly Father, we know that we're weak and feeble, and some days we struggle. Heavenly Father, we know that you provide all the support necessary to return to you. You provide us a son who committed that ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us you've given us the Bible you've given us every everything that we need we realize that if we're Christians and we repent and we pray you will hear us and you will listen to our needs Heavenly Father we realize if we're not Christians that the baptism is there for us so we can be buried with Christ and rise again Heavenly Father we are just so grateful and we owe you so much that we can never repay may we be a light to others May we always stand tall, and when we stumble, may you lift us up. And it's in your Son's holy name that we would pray. It's Christ's name, amen.